Hi, this is Queen Gantis, host of Behind the Pen. You're listening to the audio podcast. Enjoy. everyone and welcome to another episode of Behind the Pen, NAPOD POMO Special. That's National Podcasting Post Month. That's where I turn into a loony as I try to do one podcast every day. That's record, edit and post. It's manic, it's fun, it's crazy, but that's me. I am your host for the show. I am an award-winning author of 14 books, an award-winning filmmaker. I'm a YouTuber, booktuber. I run Author Assist, which helps authors with their marketing and promotion. And I also have the Artist First Radio Network show, Author Assist, which is on this Friday. So make sure you listen to that live. My guest today is Pamela Evans. Welcome to the show, Pamela. Glad to be here. Now, I know you from, I'm not going to be honest with all the viewers and listeners, I know you from um, panels and webinars and um, Zoom calls that we're in, Um, so I know you from there, but I don't know you as a writer, I don't know about your books, I don't know how you started off, so this is all going to be fascinating for me and I love to get to know people better. So the first question I ask my guests is, what do you use your pen for? Yeah, so this has changed over the years, hasn't it? I'm kind of a two, a a before, maybe before times and after times um, writer. So uh, I'm an educator and I've taught for decades and, and mainly with children. And my writing has to do with children with the exception of my, my book that is um, the preschool parent primer, which is obviously for parents of young children um, and that uh, it's, it's practical advice and a resource guide. So that is the book that I have out. Now I'm actually working on and, and writing away on middle grade um, magical realism and fantasy. Yay. That's my cup of tea, yeah. that is. And honestly, I'm also working with a wonderful children's author here in Virginia, Mark Boston, and we're, we're starting a um, picture book series oh wonderful for the the younger set so yeah so I've gone from nonfiction to fiction (laughs) will you do any more nonfiction um or you finish with that you know never say never but Mm -hmm. to me this was my I put all my information this this book the the preschool parent primer came about frankly because of a co-teacher who kept saying I would write up a thing every year when the new parents would come in and we would have our new parent meeting and discussion. And I had all these points and she, and everybody was like, just write this down. And I want a copy of that. And, you know, so eventually that's what I did. I made all these different things, chapters. I would hand chapters out to parents who'd be like, I, we're not sleeping at night. Well, here's what I know. So it just that's, made it easier. That's brilliant. So- and, and frankly, I usually use this book when I would go into other schools or work with other teachers. Sometimes I do. Um, I would go in and, and, gosh, I've lost, we do workshops and things for, t- for teachers of young children. So when I would do that, or if I would do a parent workshop, then I would have this to just share with them. So, yeah. Going back to your own education, I mean, what, what were you like when it came to creativity? Were you one of those that made up stories, that wrote poems, um, or were you into um, writing journalism articles and stuff like that? I always ended up writing but really I was into art and theater and music. Yes. And I taught in the arts a lot, right? 
I'm so clapping, still- I'm clapping because I always say that it's never <laughs> one thing with any creative. They have other talents that maybe they don't push, but they have other talents. So yeah, tell me more. Well, so I still paint. Um, and, and actually my partner, my husband is a theater professor. Uh, oh, so wow. the, kid, the family all grew up, you know, doing lots of shows and things and music. I teach music and I still teach music. I write now in the mornings and I teach music in the afternoons, which is a win-win for me because I get to spend a lot of time with a lot of different age kids. So as I'm writing. When you say teach music, you're doing private lessons. Now uh, I'm doing private. With with children. Yep. What sort of age? So depending, again, what I like is I do a lot of different ages, but for younger children, I do general music. And then I, uh, for a little older, it's woodwinds and voice are my specialties. And do you play a woodwind instrument yourself? I do. I play several, but in the, we have a wonderful local symphonic band and I play the alto clarinet in that. Ah, I used yeah. to play the oboe when I was at school. Oh my goodness. I love the oboe. Yeah. I so know. I'm also in the clarinet ensemble that's with that group. So busy time of year for us right now, but um, yeah, that's, so that's wonderful. So I do. You get ready of- for the Christmas uh, performances and stuff. Yeah. 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 Wow. It's my favorite rehearsal season. I just had rehearsal last night and I just come home all excited. No, I know. No, tell me about it. I mean, I sing. Um, but in the Christmas, we have a local because I live in a tiny little village. All of English girls get together and we have a local choir and we go around the villages and we raise money for the Hamalia Tupediu, which is the orphanage and the a child in need uh, charity. Um, over the years, we've raised 14,000 euros, just as these few girls going together. Some of them can't sing, but they join because we need the noise. <laughs> Others can sing and, and take the song. So we have harmonies, we have discounts. We do all the classic, uh, all the classic um, beautiful carols. And then we do the fun ones as well, you know. And then, of course, we do a couple of Greek ones because the Greeks, the old mm. Greeks moan. How come you speak in, you're, you're singing English ones? You should be doing Greek ones. So we know Greek ones for when they start. But yeah, when you come home from a rehearsal like that, you feel so buzzed, so happy. Your endorphins are just flying and it you is. feel fulfilled. It's it's amazing. The creative when you give out creativity, it just makes you feel whether you're painting, whether you're you're singing, whether you're playing an instrument, whether you're finished uh, writing the story, you just feel like you just feel so happy. You will appreciate the last uh, thing I sang in. You know, I, I ran a children's choir and things for all. But the last thing I personally sang in was a few years back. And it was Benjamin Britten's Ceremony of Carols. So wonderful. <laughs> wow. But yeah. That's amazing. So so pe- kind of painting do you do? What do you work with? Um. I, like in most things, I do like to try different things. And I've worked, of course, I've taught children. Uh, art and we do a variety of things which is fun for me too but most of the time right now um, I paint in acrylic Uh, I do some oil but I prefer acrylic most of the time just because it's not so toxic I mean to be honest just less chemicals and and things Um, I like painting with oil I like I like it because you can just layer it on and on and on gives it like a 3d effect and I think over time because I do like very painterly painting so to speak where you see a lot you know I, I think I've found ways to do that 
that I like with a with acrylic and doing lots of layers. So um, that's that's fine. How do you get on with watercolor? Because I find that one of the hardest things to use to try and shade with watercolor. It's, you have to be in the right mood for watercolor, and it's you have difficult. to you have to go with it because yeah. that, you know, they always say happy accents, but you have to be like, okay, <laughs> yeah, it is it is really really hard to use what that. it's going to be. <laughs> do you do do you paint um, stills, life, um, or portraits or pictures just made up in your mind patterns? What is it? I you... have done stills, but most of the time now I pick something. Um, I. I'm getting a little more abstract. I, I, my favorite recent one is I, I call it a, a pond scene. That's one that I layered and I did the, these things floating on the pond and then the next layer or the seaweed here under, you know, I just did layer after layer and oh, I really I'd love, to see that. love it. So it's, it's actually behind the turtle that's up there. No. Oh, is it? <laughs> I can see the bottom of the blue. I know. I know that this doesn't help people who are listening to a podcast. Oh, lovely. But that's, Oh, and the that's turtle, the and then that's a, oh, beautiful colors. Now, yeah. now everyone will have to watch the video cast now to see the paintings. <laughs> <laughs> nice one. <laughs> Thanks for you that. know, and I say, and behind me are the, the whiteboards with, with chapter by chapter on one of the stories I'm working on. <laughs> do, you, do you really use boards for your plotting? I have decided to on this one. Again, I guess we're... Um, and so what I did, because I don't have an open wall space, I have art stuff that way, and this is my writing side. Yeah. And I don't have an open wall space, so I bought three of these big whiteboards. Wow. And then, um, and it's because I'm very really visual. Plot, you right? really plot, don't you? Well, so so since I'm very visual, and then different things are in different colors, so where's the action, where's this, where's that? Oh, so wow. This, one that I, <laughs> this is actually the first novel I wrote, and you know, you learn so much, right? And so now I've written another and, and that's all possible. I'm doing other things. I love this story. I love the place. I love the characters, but I knew it wasn't, it was the first one I wrote. So I'm going back in and, and rewriting the whole thing. So your um, debut novel that you actually released, you're actually going back and rewriting it or it wasn't released? I haven't released it. Ah, no. so how long has is, it been in your hands waiting to be worked on? A few years. I mean, I'd have yeah. to, you know, and I, I haven't looked at it for a year or more. And I, and I pulled it out and I said, okay, I'm, a, I'm, I'm got it now. I much better. Let's redo this. And I, my daughter, who is a, is a wonderful editor, <laughs> adult, um, she said to me, and I think this is a great tip, but she said, you know, that story really well. She said, you know what? write the first chapter now but don't look at it you haven't looked at it for over a year just write the first chapter and I that did way it. you're going that's to write close. it as you're going to it's supposed yeah. to be yeah without looking you know, at the old manuscript waste, yeah you don't want to waste the whole book that way so now I go through the book um piece by piece yeah and, that, and wonderful wonderful tip but, yeah yeah, so yeah I can I can imagine that yeah most definitely um illusional reality um I wrote that first time I watched um, uh, Fellowship of the Rings, Lord of the Rings, I had mm -hmm. that story in my head on the way home from the cinema. I wrote it. Um, I wrote the second book after watching Two Towers. I didn't write a third. It was just a, du a duology. And I put it under the bed and I forgot about it for 10 years. Wow. And then I got it out and rewrote it and got a publishing contract. So Wonderful. It's like it's 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 like the other book. I should have wrote it fifteen years ago, 
um, part one of this series. The series has been out for years, but part one was a young adult. Well, the rest of the series is an 18 adult. Well, you can't put that in a box set. So it needed the 18 adult of the first book. But it's took me nearly 15 years to write it because I wasn't ready. Yeah, I wasn't read, ready to Neil tell Gaiman's the story, story as it's supposed to be told. That's right. Neil Gaiman's story about the graveyard book, right? He had the idea. He was he had a he was a young dad with a young kid, and he had this idea. And he was like, he said, "I knew I didn't know how to write it, so I wrote the idea down and put it away." And then, it's a wonderful book. Many years later, he wrote the book. But yeah, yeah it's it's, that it's fascinating that that it happens that way. It's like your mind just tells you you're not ready to write that book and so I did my fantasy I did my short fictions I did my um uh dystopian uh, erotica I did my dark mafia romance after I did that book then I was ready to write in times of violence how it's supposed to be written totally different from the young adult version the same characters but a totally different story. But it's uh, I can I can imagine how you feel now going back and and writing and rewriting that story because it's even though you haven't looked at it, it's always been there. Yes. Yeah, and you knew that it was going to become a book and be published one day. Yeah, and I've come back and I've I've uh, again I love the setting. I love the, the this one has um, a mythological. It's, I would call it, you know, Neil, uh, American Gods for Kids. The town, so it's a, a small American town, but the people's legends and things have come with them. So the kids, there's no, nobody's magic. This is one of my pet peeves, I have to tell you, in children's literature, because I love, these are the books I read. I'll read Harry Potter. I'll read all these. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you, but you have to be born a wizard or born, or you get some kind of magic at a certain age or whatever. And I'm like, but I don't, but no, no. <laughs> so, so in my stories, the, the kids don't have magic. They're, they're smart, you know, they have curiosity. They have, they want to do the right thing. They have these other things that I think are really important and kids can see themselves in that. So there's magic maybe in the world or in this, in that case, there's mythological creatures in the one that I've just finished polishing, there's a, um, an artifact that is a magical, so it's magical realism, a magical element. But the kids are normal kids. And I really like that. Yeah, yeah, I like yeah. that. They're not going to a supernatural academy. They've not uh, <laughs> right. found out that they were adopted <laughs> and really they're, they're from another world and yep. they have magical powers, just like my book. Um, nothing's so, wrong with those. I no. enjoy those too. But yeah. I was like, I, I really you feel want to a do personal. something different. Yeah. What, I, I like what, you know, what do I want to read? How can I see myself? And I'm like, well, mm. I really like these stories, but I'm, I'm not, you know, I wasn't born there. Or I, what, I didn't, I'm not a wizard. No. No, yeah. So, I mean, you, you put yourself, you always put yourself into the character. And if, that's the way you you want to see your character not having that special powers and just being a normal child, but around all the magic. Yep. Yep. I love that. I love history. So, so for example, the one that I'm just polishing up now is called Guillotines and Galleries. Ooh. And so there's a, a, a speak, talking skull from the French Revolution. 
and it all has to do with this this necklace. So I won't bore you with too many of the details. However, no, no, bore me. <laughs> what makes it really fun for me? It's all those things that I love and that I know a lot of my students love. So you know, when these the brother and sister uh, hear the plea for help, they're they're with their aunt. It's summer vacation, and they're at the museum. And of course, I've been to the museum. I it, the funny part about writing this book is a when when I had some people critiquing early on and they'd be like well that isn't that a bit of a would they do that would they have would they line up all the skulls and the whatever and I'm like yeah I was there and this is what you know there's a lot of the things that they sometimes question are would that really happen are the things that actually were at the museum yeah yeah exactly I I I did uh it was quite a biographical and I just say it was biographical but I didn't tell them which parts and they picked one scene where they said oh, it was a bit far-fetched. I don't think that would happen in real life. I went, it happened in real life. It happened to me. I wrote it down yeah. exactly as it happened. And so if if those two readers don't think that it really happened, how do I make it realistic when I'm writing it every second of what happened? Right. But it, it was, it was something out of a film, something out of a book. You know, it was, yep. it was like, it could have been make-believe, but it really happened. But uh, yeah, to have someone question that, I, I, yeah. I can, but you have to do your research. I mean, you said you went to the museum. I mean, oh, what yeah. the research have you done for that book since you've been working on it? Yeah, so that book, it physically speaks, so the museum is the University Museum in Chicago. Um, so I went there and I talked with some people there and, and looked and checked out the area and also this book takes place in the Midwest. So, so there's one other location in Indianapolis. So I, I knew those locations really well. Um, and then the rest of it is a lot of research online, right? Because- <laughs> We love Google. <laughs> that's right. And so this one has to do with an ancient artifact. So I had to look for similar things and, and I you know researched them in different, you know, so but Sumerian really. A cursed so necklace, yeah. Who does the necklace belong to? Oh boy, well that's like I tell the whole story. No, um, so originally, originally in Anna or Ishtar, um, because you know the this I find really interesting. Speaking of research, so we talk about a really old, very old cuneiform stories like Gilgamesh, um, which includes in Anna or Ishtar, whichever you want to call her. Um, even before that, there's an older tablet that is that is her it's shorter story but it's all about her so i did a lot of research on on those stories and i try to weave all of those elements into the into the story because those are fun right and and you want to get those you want to get the traditions correct um, of and of course she has seven famous items that she takes with her when she goes to visit her sister um Ereshkigal, down in the underworld and her sister is furious with her because it's this is all part of Gilgamesh tale too, right? She, she's furious with Ishtar because it's her fault that that uh, the our goddess of the underworld's husband is dead. This Killed is mythology. It's mythology. Of so, what? It's not Greek mythology. I've never no, heard of those names. This is it's older. Oh wow! And you, yeah. you, you. I mean, you knew all about this, and it fascinated you, or you just researched it and used that. I love history and I love mythology. So I knew a little of it, and I knew, of course, the, the you know the tale of Gilgamesh. Um, but then when I found that that this Anana tale was even older, and and then of course 
part of her stories are woven into Gilgamesh, I was like, oh, yeah, this is it. And um, mm-hmm. so that's been a, a lot of fun. And I, I really actually excited about how some of this has unfolded. But yeah, it's a lot of it. It's a lot of research. But once you've done that research, I think, you know, we all find right, then you just have to have butt in the chair and do the writing and writing yeah, and writing. It all pieces together. It all flows. You get in the zone and you just type. Yeah. I have to ask, have you painted or drawn the necklace? I, I should have brought it out here. I made a, the necklace. Well, no, I made I a, a necklace. Feeling. I had There's a feeling. About, but but um, I've made one out of the um, lapis azul, which is the stone that that Ishtar, because they're not very expensive, you can order them, and I made a little <laughs> necklace that to me would be like the one she wore. The, this particular necklace is um, is a collar necklace, and I so I did not make that, but I do know what it looks like, and it's described a lot in the in the book. This particular necklace changes in its appearance as to, on its way through time, as depending on who's wearing it, but the basic necklace is a collar necklace. Thaya, when she she left Tissinia, was given a necklace by um, her people, her kinsmen, and it was uh, like a crystal. Um, it was a pyramid, a pyramid, crystal pyramid about the big. And they said, oh. if if a Tissinian comes on your land, it will light up as warning that you know you're needed again. You have to come back. And she said, yeah, no problem. Uh, and, and and she forgets about it after a while and it's stuffed in the bottom of a sock drawer you know and then one day she's going through a sock drawer she pulls it out and the thing's glowing and the uh, book two starts there but I actually found a necklace that was exactly like I described so I used that in a competition to give away Wonderful. to a fan because it was Thaya's necklace so you having the necklace or making a necklace from that book could work really well with marketing well and you know I have I got two things sort of for that I have some I have this some nice of the stones that I can make into a bookmark and also um I got these little these little skulls (laughs) (laughs) how little (laughs) they're about this big um they're probably in a drawer back here uh, there, my character, Marguerite, of course, is a popping skull. You see, they're just in a bag here, but they're these little skulls, and I was oh. like, oh. And I, you know, you, I can easily put, uh, I can attach them to a bookmark or whatever. And I thought those oh, would be well, fun. Oh, wow, yeah. Or, or put it on top of a pencil or something, you know, one yeah, of those yeah. pencil toppers. Cool. But, it's, but nice, it's, it's fun to have those things. So it's I like, great when you see saying, stuff like that and you're like, oh, book, I could use that for my book. This book is what I would call, um, here's a little Oh, style. that is so cute. So this book is what I would call, it's got a lot of humor. It's a little kid noir, obviously. We've got, you know, um, but then the, the, the history and the, and of course the magical element and I, that's what I you know they say write what you uh, that's what I enjoy reading right so, what you know right especially what when it all enjoy. comes together really nicely so the thing that I think the thing you can you, you haven't I'm sure but the thing that could happen with the book is that because it's young adult and yes the young adults do read more mature um literature well, nowadays so very young, middle yeah. middle grade even younger <laughs> The history part could be confusing to them, the names, the stories. So as a teacher, you have to, you're not going to teach them through your book like Dan Brown does. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) 
you could tell he was a professor. It's like he's given us a whole lecture. I have to skip the pages to get back to the actual story. Um, so you could, as a teacher, give too much uh, details to make it more of a, a history lesson, which of course the kids aren't going to enjoy. So it's got to be lighthearted. It's got to be easy to understand and for them to soak in. You know, so no, no loads of dates, yeah. no loads and of names. Yeah, it's a fun adventure. Yeah. And if something's important along those lines to the to the story, I make sure it's introduced in a couple different ways by different people, right? So that it, so that if you don't catch it one way, you catch it catch another it way. Another way. Then we move on. Yeah. So, so how long? I mean, how many words do you think the book's going to be when it's finished? That one is about it's it's about forty thousand. Like oh. the other one's longer, about fifty thousand, which is for middle grade. Yeah, yeah a little more of a maybe coming into novella but the 50,000 I would have called that more of a novel for that length so middle grade is is actually it's funny if you look online it is changing it used to be like 20 to 40 now it's more like 30 to or 40 to 50 or 60 especially if it's in the fantasy range you know it's a for that age group it's a little bit different um but the I, th I feel like this is a good fit for this one and frankly um if all were to go to plan, um, this one is a really good two book. My other one is is a trilogy because it involves the Norns. Boom, boom, boom. One, two, three. Wow. That's nice. But this one is definitely a really good two book. Uh, and how how are you? How close are you to to finishing to get it to the? I, I suppose you're an editor yourself. So, right? well, you know, so this, so the the my nonfiction, right? This one is self-published this one was used by all the workshops around here and, and lots of things so that's great that's wonderful um, but this time i am actually attempting to go traditional and we'll see how it goes um or or i'll go small publisher uh, if i don't get in right away so not right away but i'm going to give it a few months it's fine uh um so right now i have finished polishing there is an an agent who is very nicely looking over the synopsis and things and is going to give me some feedback Oh, wonderful. Possibly, I mean, she could ask for it. That'd be great. But even if she doesn't, she's, I have that, that by the 20th, I think. And then after that, I'm, I'll look at her Start feedback submitting. and then I'm going to submit to agents. And I've been pulling together a list of ones that I think are wonderful. Yeah. So we'll see, right. I don't know, but yeah. I really, why do you want to go that way and not go indie? Um, you know, I, I, I guess there's lots of reasons, but I can do the marketing and I can do, you know, I've done this kind of stuff and I've run businesses and I have to say, I, I'd rather have my more narrow niche. I'd rather really, and so it won't be that I'm not going to start doing those things too, but you'll have like to. to try to go. Yeah. yeah. Everyone does now, yeah. but I, I'd like to try to go traditional. So we'll see. I think this one's, you know, we'll see. It's a good, I feel like it's a good story. It's got a good, uh, some things that are definitely interesting and, and that I, I know from my experience with this age kids that they like. So we'll see. And we'll, we'll give it a shot. And, uh, and then I have, a, I have my three-tier system. I... Is it guill guillotines and... What's the guillotines other and galleries. Guillotines and galleries. Now, I understand the guillotine. But the, where do the, the galleries? galleries. Ah, the galleries. okay. Cool. I like that. It's really catchy. 
guillotines and galleries. So have you got to uh, cover it in your head? I know that the publisher would sort that out, but yeah, you've got I, an idea of what you'd want. You know, I, I do not really, although I would think it would have that sort of museum-y kind of feel and a, and a, and a skull would be in it. <laughs> would certainly be there. Um, <laughs> So people know what they're getting into. Uh, the skull could be wearing the necklace and then you just got it all on the cover then, haven't you? <laughs> it's actually funny you say that because I did just start, I haven't even really done anything with it. I started pulling together because I thought it would be fun, a little mood board and it has a necklace similar in the skull and a picture of the actual museum and, you know, some things. So that's, who knows? that's really cool. So in between getting hold of your old novel, rewriting it and you talking about uh, I don't know if you've already started work on the trilogy but that's in the works as well um, what about um, submitting short stories and poetry to places have you been doing that I I don't do a lot of that I have done a little and I've been you know publishing a couple little little anthologies and things um, one a short story and one a poem that's funny you say that <laughs> <laughs> but but the reason I'm not doing that now is because I'm really focused and I, I'm pretty disciplined when I set a schedule. And so Good. my, for the end of this year, it was polish that book, have it done, be ready to be submitting. So that one's about to go into that pile. Then it's complete. There, I have two other projects, right? Complete the rewrite. I'd like to have that done by the end of this year. And then the, um, the picture book series that I'm working on with another author. So three very different things is for me anyway, and they'll be in three, they're in three different places, right? Wonderful. So it's it's hard to multitask. You've got to prioritize what's what has to be done first, you know. But still, you still and it's got so easy. Yeah, <clears throat> it's so easy to see a competition or something and be like, "Oh, I could write a thing for that." And I'm like, and then I'm not. No, you doing can't because you're not doing that. the. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, doing this uh, podcast promo, it's fabulous. I get to meet amazing people like you and chat and find out more about you. You got to be exhausted doing everything. I am I shattered. Imagine. Not just that. I mean, I do all my services as well during the day. I have six or seven clients that I'm doing stuff for during the day, plus this, plus other stuff it's it is crazy but I don't sleep so I don't lose those hours those eight hours that everyone's having a lovely sleep I'm working so uh, oh my goodness <laughs> well what can you do um Pamela where can people find you on social media right so people can find me um so I am on Twitter and I'm gonna I'm gonna Ooh, shift my screen for just a moment so I can make sure I say things correctly here. Uh, so Twitter. You think I could just reel all these off? It's Pamela Evans underline BKS for books. I will have that written in the description um, also of the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll, I'll give you, I also have Instagram. Um, and my website is Ivy, Ivy, arts with a Z dot com. Oh, and what I didn't mention that I do, um, and that's it's on the website, is my my parent blog is on the website, and I do I do reviews for picture books and also reviews for middle grade. So oh, wonderful, lovely, yeah. Oh, great. So so it's so much for people to go and see, see your artwork, uh, read your reviews, <laughs> find out more about your book that you've already got out in case they're interested, and to to follow you, ready for when this one. Your, your debut novel finally comes out. I mean, it's that is going to be a really exciting time. Yeah. 
Lovely. Um, Pamela, thank you so much for coming on uh, Behind the Pen. It's been wonderful chatting with you and, and learning more about your skills, which I, I'm so happy that you have so much creativity in you. And you're not just sitting there behind a desk, you're getting out and you're with the kids. And I think it's absolutely wonderful. I didn't know that. And, and now I know that it just lifts me up knowing that you do all that. It's wonderful. Thanks for having me. And You're I knew you were a singer, so that was good. No. <laughs> <laughs> You're, don't don't listen to me, not until I get my throat <laughs> sorted. <laughs> Thank you, darling. All the best with all your projects and um, have a wonderful holiday as well. You too. Hey folks, you're listening to the podcast Behind the Pen. Behind the Pen brings you fun and entertaining interviews by amazing creatives. And if you'd like to support and keep the podcast going, you can donate via my Linktree page. That's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E backslash Karina Gantus, all small letters. Every dollar helps me share my platform with these amazing artists. Don't forget to follow like and review the podcast your support means everything <laughs>